just wear these for a second okay. and then you can hear kind of what I'm hearing when I do it and you can okay. hear yourself as you're doing it. it's interesting huh yeah 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 some people don't like it no it's uh you can hear your own voice yeah <laughs> people are used to hearing their own voice I you know I can see how this takes a lot of time to get used to yeah okay no get it yeah all right yeah okay <laughs> yeah but it's you. just good to keep you know as i, I monitor everything yeah. but um oh so you're asking how much this cost okay uh yeah the program you use oh well yeah. um the program i usually just use audacity yeah. to edit and that's just a free oh, yeah. wear program it's super easy to i mean once i figured out how to use it it's like i don't need anything much better jordan our friend jordan yeah. got me uh he did this thing where he had what was it called some big, very expensive uh, audio editing program, sound mm-hmm. editing, engineering program for like a Mac, and he like did it so I could get it. And I tried it once, and I was like, "This is way over my head." And yeah. I, I already know how to use this other <laughs> yeah. thing. I don't know why I need to use this fucking insane program for like DJs. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I'm not a music producer. It's just fine. But that was very sweet of him. That oh no, no, nice. he, like he's like. The thing about doing all this is there's all these people, including you, actually, mm-hmm. oh, that have contributed in some uh, way, mm-hmm. you know, like, what I was going to say is, like, so the reason why we're doing this is because we're actually sitting on your floor in your room. There's only one piece of furniture. There's, like, two pieces of furniture in this whole room. Yes. So we're sitting on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if you saw the dress <laughs> right behind yeah, you. Yeah, it's the... completely mangled, like you got in a fight or something. Well, uh, it's more depressing than that. I started <laughs> building it one night, and then I was like, oh, I'll finish it tomorrow. And, and then t- 20 years passed. That's been a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said you were living minimally, but, uh, you know, it's a very, Mer- uh, what is it, Marie Kondo kind of vibe. Do you know who that is? Oh, yeah. 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 But you never had anything to give away. No. So it's just, this is just you. This is just me. Yeah, it's uh, beautiful. Thank you. Because you, you are your work, you know? It seems like you just kind of, that seems to be your life. Uh, relatively. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do devote a lot of my time to my work. Um, and right. uh, you'd think that the product would be better. <laughs> oh, of your work? Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, no. I mean, it's a, pro- it's a process, man. Oh, I don't yeah. Know. I don't know. You're, I feel like, how old are you? I'm 25. 26 yeah i mean i'm not like that much older but like i don't know i've seen a lot of shit change in five years since i was you know what i mean like it's just it's like it grows and you figure it out and you get better at it and i feel like right now you're honing your skills exactly and same with you it's like yeah the the things (laughs) that sounds very um, it sounds like I've been smoking weed. It, it's a living thing, man. No, but it is. Like, no, it is a living thing. There's craft. There's like yeah. writing and, and yeah. what you do. It's it's very much a living thing and it shapes yeah. and there's an ebb and flow to it. And Dude. Yeah. That's what I've been saying lately. I'm like, this isn't me anymore. It's a bigger thing than mm-hmm. me. I just fueled it for a lot. It's like getting a fire started and once it gets yeah. going, you're like, oh, there it is. And yeah. Then you can draw on it and it becomes its own living thing. That's exactly what it is. And that's what, like, people's life work can become, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so... <laughs> so you're, a, report, derail, yeah. you're a reporter. You're yes. a journalist for the local paper. Yes. And, you know, last year... 
Last year, you actually helped a lot because you wrote like a really great story about the live podcast. Yeah. And you like interviewed both the people I interviewed. Mm-hmm. And even though, and I'm just going to bring this up because yeah. it's been a year since I've talked about it really. Uh-huh. But we, so Dar Jamil is in it. Dar Jamil is, has always been great and will always be great. He's great like sweet, interview, yeah. s- sweet human. And then I wanted to also feature like Dr. Bones, mm-hmm. who's now non-existent. He just poof, you know, yeah. he's a real person somewhere. I just don't know who he is or anything, but he just disappeared after some shenanigans, to say the very least. And you, but the thing is, I was so proud because you wanted to cover that story of me doing this crazy DIY live podcast thing. Mm -hmm. And you interviewed Dar Jamal for the story, me and Dar Jamal, and then you also interviewed Dr. Bones. (laughs) Dr. Bones being this like crazy insurrectionary anarchist guy, wears a thing over his face with a hammer and sickle, Takes a lot of drugs. Yeah. Gonzo journalist, writer, crazy person. Yeah. And you put him in the local paper. Right. And it made me so, uh, like, a conjurer, some crazy hoodoo conjurer. And he's in the local paper. And you pulled it off. And I was like, mm. that was like a win for me. I, well, thank you. <laughs> I, I, no, I remember, um, uh, like, I think, uh, was that back when you were still working at the coffee shop? Yes. Yeah, and I yeah. remember um, uh, like talking to you about it, and then, uh, I, and I was like, oh well, I I got to write about that. I got to get the word out. And then we had that interview, and it was incredibly long. And oh, when we sat down and talked, and yeah. I just gave you my spiel, uh, yeah. which which was wonderful. And a lot of the time, when when there is a really good interview, mm-hmm. and going back to that idea of this being a living thing and sometimes that fire gets bigger and you get more excited it was one of yeah. those instances where i was like i've i've got to do right by this and then it was like i when i get excited for a story yeah um then i want the craziest <laughs> sources i want i want yeah. <clears throat> excuse me i want bigger sources i want right i want the doctor bones i want i want to put that in the local paper yeah yeah where people are talking about just local bullshit all the time and yeah. not that that's wrong but yeah. i mean like it was it was cool it was weird yeah and i'm sure you had a lot more fun that's the thing oh, too yeah. is because i don't know i don't know what it's like to be a local reporter i'm sure that that you you're looking for an interesting story just like any journalist yeah and yeah, there's like some weird dude making a live podcast he's making with duct tape and like fucking parts from, I don't know, just, uh, we strung that together. Oh, yeah. It was just like, and you wrote about that. You had, you really captured the spirit of it, which made me so happy. Yeah. It was, which, it was, thank you. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, our relationship goes back kind of mm-hmm. to then. And then I was gone for about a month in Washington recently. And then mm-hmm. I came back and we bumped into each other last week. And we were just talking about interviewing and like how we... You were just asking me about how I interview people and and you interview people. And I mean, I have no formal training in any sort of thing. So my interviewing style or how I've chosen to go about it is, I don't know if it's different or not than other people. I'm sure it's unique in its own ways. Um, but I just figured it out. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you've come from a more like, okay, I'm a, I've been studying journalism. Mm-hmm. So your questioning style or the way you construct... And you're also thinking about putting it in an article as yeah. well, right? Yeah. So that was the thing is like we were just sitting down talking for like an hour yeah. the other day about it. And we were like, I'm like, hey, why, why the hell not? Why don't we just like record something and yeah. talk about interviewing? 
Yeah. Because it's interesting. It is. It's, it, yeah. yeah. It's more interesting than I, you know, thought it was going to be when I got into it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Uh, totally. And I, yeah, no, I'm so honored that you would <laughs> want to talk to me about this. I, it's, it's so interesting. I, this is talking, interviewing. That is my favorite part of the job. Um, and it's so weird that once you start interviewing and you're, you're watching an interview online or, you know, TV, whatever, you can spot a good interview. Oh, yeah. And I, that's something that I've gravitated towards a lot is when you see a good interviewer and you're like, mm-hmm. they're doing a good job. And yeah. it's, uh, it's one of those things when it's done right, it is so unnoticeable. <laughs> and it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly, because it's like if you're able to break down – if the interview is really good, if the interviewer is really good at it, then it's it's like I always feel like it starts off as an interview, and it's <laughs> successful if it turns into something else by the end of it. I completely agree. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's like you have to start it as an interview, but then it kind of evolves. I mean, I can just call it a conversation, but mm-hmm. like the person is comfortable in that space with you. Yeah. And you're being like the guide. Yeah. I, um, and that's actually a great, uh, transition to, um, the only notes that I have for this. I have these written notes yeah. over here. Um, which I, I never do. I'm <laughs> very, I'm very shoot from the hip, but I, I wanted to mm-hmm. get this. So I was talking to a fellow reporter, Colin Tiernan, um, he is the uh, the business reporter in my paper, and I was just telling him mm-hmm. about this. And uh, and he recently went to uh, like an investigative reporter conference. Um, I did not go because I'm lazy. <laughs> no, and uh, well. and he and he saw this panel with um with this ProPublica um writer uh, Ken Armstrong, mm. and pretty much this guy's point uh, for to be good at interviewing is be a person. That's it. Because so many journalists have their heads up their asses and overthink <laughs> yeah, this. Right. And, and, and my friend Colin was telling me that a lot of people would be like, how do you avoid being awkward? And like, how do you, like, <laughs> how do you do X, Y, Z? And the answer would always just go back to be a person. And I feel like, um, especially in, um, and I'm not sure if you ever, feel this way but i feel like uh, people can overcomplicate oh yeah interviews yeah for sure it's like over just, overthinking it yeah just relax and find some sort of human connection and turn it into a conversation yeah and that helps put the subject at ease that helps put you at ease and it's just people can share more when they're comfortable yeah exactly what is a particular favorite <clears throat> excuse me interview of yours well, I had one recently that came out um, with actually with Darjamail and um, Barbara Cecil that came out last week, and that was probably the most real thing I'd ever produced. Mm-hmm. And it was in person. It was like this: like we were sitting in a living room together um, at Dar's house up in the woods in Washington, and Dar had just it was just this right moment everything synced up perfectly where yeah. everybody was in the right place the right time to talk about what we wanted to talk about and I mean it was very real heartfelt <laughs> deep profound moving like um it it was challenging 
it, it, it challenging in the way that like the subject matter is challenging. Mm-hmm. We were comfortable together. So that was, I mean, I have to say that was probably the best one I've ever done. But like, <clears throat> what I think is also important is like each interview can be a bit of a challenge in their own unique, unique way. Like, so there's another one, this guy named Stephen Jenkinson. And I, I don't know how to explain him to, I mean, just to give you basic stuff, which is that he's basically worked in palliative care in Toronto at a Toronto hospital. So he like guided people through the de- death process. Yeah. He probably guided hundreds or maybe even well over th- several thousand possibly people yeah. through their dying process, death process. And he had to deal, help them deal with their denial and their anxiety and their all of the things and the families and just the whole process. Yeah. But he's not just that. Like, he is the most interesting orator. He can speak and captivate you the way he talks. He challenges your notions about things. He says things almost cryptically or yeah. there's a little bit of an, um, a riddle in there sometimes. Mm. And he's just – I can't even explain him. He's very particular, very peculiar, very interesting person. Yeah. I've had like three interviews with him. And the way he does is, like, when you're interviewing him, if you don't ask, you'll ask a question, but he'll be like, okay, so that question is not, he just, he, he thinks that questions are like, it's not just a question, it's like, he, there's, there's all these hidden assumptions mm-hmm. and ignorance even in the hmm. question, or not, there can be a lot of other things going on in the question yeah. too. You know, like a bad interview where I'll ask a really stupid question. You know yeah. what I mean? There's just stupid questions. People say there's no such thing. <laughs> there are really stupid questions. For sure. And if you don't do your research or you don't know your subject, then you're going to ask really stupid questions. Yeah. But there's also questions that come from a place of just sincerity and actual, like, naivety. Mm-hmm. And so he's really good at managing that. And he can, like, but what he'll do is he'll take your question and he'll re-ask it the way it should have been asked. Really? Yeah. It sounds a bit arrogant, but it's not. <laughs> he does it in a way where it actually works. Yeah. For me, at least. And so my challenge with him is like, I always enjoy talking to him, mm-hmm. but I got to be really ready. Yeah. Um, because he he complimented me last time I interviewed him because he's had, he says, I've had, that sounds like such a boast. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm like, go for it. But it really like, it was a big deal for me. Because he's been interviewed, he said, I've been interviewed hundreds of times, and this is probably one of the most interesting ones I've had. That's fantastic. Like, these questions are great. Yeah. Like, that kind of a thing. And I was like, holy fuck. Like, yeah. Stephen Jacobson <laughs> thinks I'm doing good. Then I'm yeah. like, okay, cool. I'm on the right path here. I, that yeah. is a fantastic compliment. And I, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you shared it. I, <laughs> I have this voicemail from this... Uh, from this guy who's part of like a, a local theater group, and I, and I interviewed him once on, like, on a play that he was writing, and and we spent a long time talking about it, and I and I missed his call, and he he left me this voicemail, and he was like, uh, like in my forty plus years of working with the Times News, that was one of the best interviews I've ever had, and he was like, you you were going far, and I I kept that that that. That's means amazing. a lot. Like, oh, yeah. When someone compliments you on this thing that is technically invisible, you know, like interviewing, yeah. like I said, like when it's done right, it's pretty much unnoticeable. Yeah. And so when someone notices it and they're like, you did a good job. And it's like, that is, yeah, I, I thought nobody noticed. And so, it, yeah, well. it's, I'm glad you shared. Well, I mean, with, so you're, so most of your interviews, I mean, they're coming um, through an article. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's just we're doing very we're 
we're both interviewing, but it's just mm-hmm. different, right? I mean, yeah. But you sit down and you have long conversations with people. Yeah, I try. And it's interesting though, because like I, I always wished, like when I was when I was sitting down with you and you were interviewing me, and we had a really in depth conversation, yeah. and then like it gets narrowed down to like one sentence in an mm-hmm. article, and I'm like, that would drive me fucking crazy as a journalist if mm-hmm. I had to do that. To not like, okay, you have to cut out all of this other stuff. Or, like, to not even have this second, like, make the article, but mm-hmm. then also have, like, okay, here's some bonus stuff where we have the full interview. Oh, that would be great. Why don't they do that? Is that, that extra work? I, I mean, probably. That sounds great. I would <laughs> I would love yeah. to have, like, a uh, um, uh, some sort of audio component where it's like, oh, you can listen yeah. to the full thing. That's a great idea. And it's, I am curious, do you have any rules for interviewing like any any questions you have to ask or like any um like yeah 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 Yeah, well i mean um it really depends like for instance i mentioned like my best interview you asked me what my best one was and that was almost completely unprepared because it was really just a group of friends sitting down talking about something like that's doesn't that's a different thing I mean, I mean, if an interview is the right que- or right way of framing it, it's something else. Maybe mm-hmm. it's an interview. I don't know. But, but like, if I'm interviewing someone new and it's like a proper interview, and mm-hmm. I got to be like, okay, I just, I just um, try to read all their shit as much as I can. Like the subject matter, I try to get my head around it. I pull out quotes from it. If a yeah. particular subject or topic pops up, and I just, I just start writing things down, even if it's just disorganized and whatever. Yeah. And then, and then from there, I mean, it's really just a matter of like, I look at it like it's mostly a blank slate, but there's like brackets, yeah. you know, like you got the first bracket. That's, those are the first important questions you have to ask yeah. to set everything up. Yeah. And then you've got other things that are, I would say the brackets get further apart as you move along mm-hmm. because as you build that base with that person of information, both of you are going to start improvising more and more and more spontaneous or impulsive type questions are going to emerge out of that. So for me, it's like the very most important thing is like just having a good enough understanding of your subject. It's really basic and obvious thing. It's really funny how people tell me like really professional outlets are not nearly as prepared as you think they are. Yeah. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense, but apparently that's true. Right. And then people will, like, compliment me for something that I think is incredibly basic, which is, like, I just researched you. Mm-hmm. I can't believe you researched me. I can't believe you actually read my article. I can't mm-hmm. believe you actually did. And I'm like, yeah. like It's the bare minimum. It's the yeah. bare minimum. And then everything else is, like, extra, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I think, seriously, the most important thing for me is the first few questions. Okay. When, when you start out an interview, how do you normally – lay the groundwork and obviously it changes yeah from interview to interview subject to subject but is there a foundation that you lie or that bracket that you fill out yeah so what would be like a good example i'm trying to think of like a good example um like i had an interview come out yesterday with a guy he's a journalist wrote for wrote an article for the new republic Mm -hmm. and he was talking about um eco-fascism mm-hmm. and how fascism itself like european proper european fascism has strong ecological components environmental components to it which is like you know 
pure race, pure land. There's like this connection, blood and soil. Anyway, just to get to the point, though, is that he was tying that to conservation efforts in the United States. So Hitler himself, for instance, was deeply inspired by a guy named Madison Grant, who was one of the founders of the Sierra Club and yeah. the National Parks. Yeah. And that was with John Muir and uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. So anyway, th- this interesting cross-pollination of ideas and this sort of colonialism and then and then. So what I needed to, s- to establish like right away with him is like, what, where did you come into this information first? Like, wh- I think the first thing we talked about was actually what was first in his article, which was he started at a, a farmer's market talking about two people <laughs> that work at a, or two mar- a married couple that sell their produce at a farmer's market in Indiana. They look like crunchy granola people, like anything you'd expect from a, a farmer's market. But they also happen to be white nationalists, <laughs> and they want to pitch their white nationalist ideology. Oh, and wow. you're like, whoa, <laughs> that's a weird thing. Like, where the fuck does that come from? So I actually started there. Okay. Because that, to me, made sense because he was talking about something that we all could kind of relate to. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes starting in the most... It seems really broad, but having a pointed question like, okay, so we're talking about eco-fascism. Mm-hmm. What is that? Yeah. Can you give us a basic definition there? Mm-hmm. And then you build from that. Because then you start to build, once you build the broader subject matter at the beginning, at least, like, yeah. okay, this is the umbrella here. Yeah. And then there's all these little nooks and crannies in there that we can explore as we move through the conversation. Right. You know? And you'll be surprised by what you find sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's the fun part. You don't want everything planned. <laughs> yeah. You want to no. be prepared, but you don't want you don't want to be like, oh, I don't have any room. Journalists or interviewers that just have like ten questions or whatever, and they're mm-hmm. just like, we're gonna go through oh. each question. I'm hitting a microphone really weirdly. <laughs> when they go through each question, no matter what. Oh yeah, no. <clears throat> I hate that. I I never do that. Like I will if if I am prepared. If I am if I am good, then I'll have some questions prepared. But I. I like to be much more shoot from the hip. Um, I like to be very <coughs> impulsive. Yeah, I, yeah. I just I'm, see you shooting a revolver. It's yeah. really badass. I yeah, you know, it's <laughs> I I think what helps for interviewing is to just be naturally curious. Yeah. I think some of the best advice I ever got was that my internship at the uh, local paper in Missoula, the Missoulian, and and one of the reporters, he was like the outdoors reporter, and he he came up to me one time at lunch, and he's like, "Oh, what are you what are you gonna do after college?" And I was like, oh, "You know, probably probably fuck off and, and, <laughs> and go travel the world and find myself." You know, I was just joking. Sure. I had no idea. And he yeah. and he just said he was like. Don't find yourself. Find other people. They're more interesting. Oh. And I was like, something clicked. And I was like, Whoa. oh, my God, you're right. That and is such a cool thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, and I, I think that rule applies to everyone. Find other people. You're more interesting. And so ever since, like, something clicked and it was like, just be more interested in other people. Because I, I like to assume whenever I'm in a room that I am the dumbest person in that room and that I can learn something from everyone. And so I think interviewing and asking questions is really natural when you are just, just naturally inquisitive. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that it takes a type of person. I just think it takes a moment to realize I can learn at least one thing from that person. Sure. And that benefits you in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, 
Let me ask you this, just because, so, I mean, what I get to do is I choose, or, I mean, obviously, there's a person that has to choose to be interviewed, but, like, mm-hmm. I choose who I want to talk, who I want to talk to or what I want to talk about. Yeah. But you, I assume, get assignments. Yeah. So, when you talk about, like, being genuinely interested in what's happening, like, yeah. I just think that's got to be challenging sometimes. Uh, sure. There's, <laughs> there are certainly things that I am, uh less interested in sure uh, yeah. that i report on oh, on i would have a hard time yeah with the being in your position <laughs> and it and i i think that just goes back to the natural thing of like there is an ebb and flow there is this it's a living thing and sometimes sometimes it's harder sometimes it's like fuck i don't want to do this um <laughs> but um i think the goal the the best thing that can happen is to find that natural curiosity. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and just like try and find and this sounds so pretentious. I'm so sorry. Try and find that human element. Like find no, that no. find that thing that um there is this um like there's this idea. So you, you know like lead and nut graph and all that and it's like yeah. um and there's this, uh, um, it, it's like the nut graph is basically like just boil down the story to its essence. And it's like, what are you going to remember from that story? Right. Or like, what is the most interesting thing? And that's going to be in it. Or or alternatively, the lead. Like, what is the most interesting thing? What is the thing that grabs you? So it's like your goal is to find that in the interview and to ask mm, the questions mm-hmm. and find the thing that makes you interested because because there's someone out there there's a reader and by god we hope that it hooks them too because it's like <laughs> yeah. um you know and so it's like find that human connection find that uh uh that commonplace with that person make you interested and you'll make another reader interested. What mm. is the hardest, hardest interviews for you? It's the ones where the person doesn't talk enough. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. <laughs> I think it's a little challenging with, I, I don't know what it's like for you, because you can, again, you're, the nature of how you're presenting the interview is a little different. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like, it's pretty raw. I mean, obviously, yeah. I, I cut it at a certain point. Or if there's specific things that need to be taken out, like, oh, there's a technical glitch or someone had to go pee or whatever, right. I take that part out, you know. But if a person just... It's really funny, actually. So this actually fits into something that I think is a weakness of mine that I... Or maybe not a weakness, but something that I would like to... That I've been conscious of. Yeah, I think I can talk too much. Okay. And I think the way that sometimes I set up questions is I talk a lot mm-hmm. and then I find the question as I'm talking. Sure. Oh, I do that. I do that too. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I had a problem where I've, I've overwhelmed people that I've interviewed mm. and they're like, whoa, that's like three questions in one. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Right. Oh, let me scale it back. I get too excited. Okay. Yeah. Let me back it up. So that, that though is just to say that. I don't want to be the only one talking and I don't want to be the one that's talking the most. Right. For, first of all, I, want to, I don't want to be the whole thing. So if I'm just, for instance, I could even ask a very short question. I'll be like, okay, I'll keep this question and say it takes a minute to set up or something. Right. And whatever. 
and they'll talk for they'll talk for like two minutes or something mm-hmm. or three minutes, and you're just like, actually, that question was big enough. Yeah. I think that you could have gone more, but not everybody talks the same. Not everybody feels like they need to say more. Not everybody is, maybe they're shy or, you know, there's all these reasons why people aren't ready. And sometimes you think, okay, well, we'll start off a little slow or start off like that. Maybe it'll build, but then it doesn't necessarily always happen. Yeah. And then I feel like I'm carrying more than I want to carry. Yeah. Because then I then I have to contribute a little more than sure. what I was expecting and I have to improvise a lot more. Yeah. That's 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 hard. That actually does get pretty hard. I um in its own weird way. Yeah. I there no, that is the worst interviews are the ones with um very quiet and reserved people and i wish i could say that every time i like hit it out of the park and i found like i I made them get out of their shell but f- god no there are times where i'm like i want to wrap this up as soon as possible i know yeah um no i was i was back to when i was talking to my uh co-worker um we were kind of talking about uh the power of silence and there's this rule of like don't break the silence like I feel like I have a lot of power mm. because I'm writing. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm like writing up and I'm sort of catching up with what the person said, there's a natural lull and a uh, yeah. and a silence. Um, and the subject, nine times out of ten, will fill that silence. And they will say something else. Right. They'll, just, they'll, they'll feel slightly uncomfortable, so they'll say more. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you get you get gold in those moments. Interesting. Um, because people just like that silence is really uh, powerful and really uncomfortable. And I, <laughs> I do my best not to respect the silence. Yeah. Respect the silence. Acknowledge it for what it is and what it can give you. Yeah. 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 Because people, I do this too in social situations where I'll fill the silence. And just oh feel, yeah. Yeah. So mm, chatter. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm not sure if this format of podcasting, mm-hmm. if that, um, if you have that benefit. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. I mean, um, I've I I had a thing where I would like edit out pauses. Yeah. From certain things like my monologues or like little things. Sometimes during the interviews, I'll do that. If. I've had to judge when it's appropriate or not mm-hmm. because there's certainly times where the pause is super important. Mm-hmm. It's like a pregnant pause is what yeah. it's called, right? It's just so filled with something like, yeah. and respecting that, you yeah. know, and letting it sit and let, cause people are listening and they're processing that information too. Yeah. And, and just like how you're processing it, like I, I've become okay with the fact that sometimes people are going to say something that I'm going to have to sit with for a moment before I ask my next question yeah. and not just cut out the silence, you know, yeah. the pause. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but there's this other thing too, where it's not actually like a good thing where it can actually be a little awkward. <laughs> and I don't know, like every, every guest, every interview I have is a new unique challenge. Most of the people I interview have been interviewed before and they're good at doing it enough that it doesn't come up often. Yeah. But when it does, I don't know. I just have to. <laughs> I think the worst thing, and actually the thing I'm most terrified of, in those moments of silence, yeah, 
is I don't know where, how to proceed in the interview. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like, okay, uh, and I really have to think and scramble. <laughs> People don't know what's going on in my head, but sometimes I'm like, oh shit, like, I don't know where to go. I don't yeah. know where to go. I don't know where to go. And I got to fill this time. And for me, it's like, I need at least an hour. Like hour is a good chunk of time right. to cover everything if it goes over great if not well that's fine too sometimes people don't have that much time yeah but the point is is that if i have the hour i want to fill it yeah and if i'm running out of ideas and i don't know what to talk about anymore <laughs> it's a lot of bullshitting <laughs> like how, how do you bullshit how do you normally <laughs> improvise <laughs> i don't know i just talk a lot i just that's what i mean as i start talking sure. a lot you know and people think that oh you know, he's got, he's so smart. He knows what he's saying. He's so articulate. And I'm like, it's just a bullshitting skill. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what, it, I mean, there's there's more to it than that. I'm not saying bullshit. It's just, it's an interesting question because it just, it's just different for each person. And um, I don't always, I don't always, I don't always navigate it well. No. And yeah. it just takes a lot of practice. And that's yeah. the big thing. It's just practice. Yeah. You know, I, I do this thing where like sometimes you kind of forget a question that you were going to ask or you should ask. And I'll do this thing where yeah. I'll be writing <laughs> and um, and I'll be like, oh, one sec, I'm just writing everything down. I'm not. I finished everything, <laughs> but I'm just like trying to. <laughs> I, that's so funny. I can't do that. Right, yeah, you don't have the convenience of like the... having a paper thing I'm writing and yeah, I'm just you're like doodling something. Yeah. Oh I do I've done that sometimes. <laughs> oh Writing my everything God. down. Yeah. It's um Whatever works, man. And it, you know what so much of it is the presentation. Yeah. You know, like that's part of making people feel comfortable. It's not fake or anything. Yeah. But there's a presentation to it. You're like, okay, I'm Bowen. I'm a journalist and I'm here to interview you. Mm -hmm. You've got your notepad or your little recorder, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And there's this like sense of like, oh, I'm, you know, this guy's taking care of me. Mm -hmm. And you got to let him feel that. Yeah. That's important too. That's part of making them feel comfortable is letting them know that you got your shit together and you're ready for the interview and you have questions and, um, you can speak in coherent sentences and yeah, things yeah. like that. Like, <laughs> right. I, I'm really curious. Do you feel like, um, I, I feel like I have a very convenient position with an already established newspaper and a name, you know, like when I'm talking with someone, I'm like, Hey, right. this is Bone West with the times news. Um, excuse me. Um, and, I'm just curious, do you feel like you have to establish immediately that you are good and that you are serious because you are coming at it from this sort of uh, amateur or gorilla? Yeah, yeah, no, it is, it is. I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, it actually is hard because most of it is either reputation, and I assume I have one somewhat, Oh. Not like a big one, but I have one. Yeah. People are like, oh, that, yeah, I've listened to that <laughs> podcast. Right. The guy talks about whatever, the, you know. Earth dying. Yeah, yeah. it's terrible shit. <laughs> it's just fucking depressing. I don't know why anybody wants to talk to that guy. <laughs> it's just super sad stuff. Um, but 
so so okay so what i what i do is i just i have a very simple pitch and just see if people are interested and then i just yeah and then i just give them my it's like i always have my website and i'm like mm-hmm. there it is i mean if you're curious i can only do so much right. i can't make you think i'm something i'm not or that i'm you know interesting or whatever All right so one thing yeah, so it's a different thing. I think if you're actually with and it's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a journalist for a newspaper, mm-hmm. there is something attached to that that people are like, oh yeah, okay, all right, it's legitimate yeah. or something. Right, it's established. Yeah, you know, we've had the printing press since the 1600s. <laughs> That's a big deal. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh wow, you know. But podcast is like, hey, I host a podcast. They're like, oh okay, right. well, there's thousands of podcasts. Who gives a shit? Yeah. So you have to. You have to try to meet them where they're at and try to convince them sometimes. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't, most people are very kind. That's the thing. 99% of the people I contact either respond either with a yes or a very polite no. Right. And that's it. And that's all you can do. And then there's, of course, people that just don't respond or there's the occasionally weird thing. Something that came up recently. I want yeah. to bring up actually. Yeah, it's super funny. There was, I'm not going to say this person's name. It's not worth it. The point is, I contacted this person about an article they wrote. Thought it was super interesting. Mm -hmm. Contact them. They respond. They wanted to be paid to be interviewed, basically, is what it came down to. They they weren't like a dick about it it, completely. They were just... The fact that they asked for money at all was kind of dickish, but... But... I've never never had that happen. That was the weirdest thing I've ever... And I was like okay no i can't pay like (laughs) i'm sorry this is more about your exposure i don't know whatever that's that was a weird thing that's really Um, weird yeah but but anyway if i want to get someone that's i would say this is the thing about doing this long enough is that you start to network Mm -hmm. you start to know more and more people and they can help you right and so for me that's been my key to getting bigger guests um, I have an interview with a pretty, I don't know if I want to say it on this. I'll tell you after, who okay. it is. but I have yeah. someone that I'm interviewing. Hopefully I have a scheduled to interview them at the end of the month and they're going to be like a big deal for me. I think you told me yeah. about it. Okay. I may uh, have told you. Which congratulations. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't happened yet. That's a great kit. Yeah. I know. I don't, I don't understand how it just, it was, again, it was from a friend who helped me out, like that kind of thing. Yeah. So that's how it works. It's just like you build friends and friendships and networks. I mean, like, look, man, like right now I, I'm blown up. I had it. I smoked weed last night and I was having this like, I'm like, yeah. oh my God, what's happening to my life right now moment. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And I had this moment of like, I got a book deal. What? Okay. Right. Um, that doesn't make sense, but okay, cool. That yeah. did, whatever. Doing that. I'm going to Brazil in less than two months, yeah. a month and a half. And I'm going to be doing interviews down there, hopefully. Yeah. And that is all because... I started a podcast where I started interviewing people and somehow it led to me making friends with people all over the world. And now I'm going to go down to Brazil to spend time with my friend and we're going to do stuff together. Like that's just, that's, that's the thing is like, we're talking about interviews, but this isn't just interviews for me, you know, like, yeah. I mean, like this is the, the, like you said, these are people. Exactly. And those people have lives and they have connections and they have, uh, insights and they have 
whatever it is. And that's the trippiest thing to me is like, we're not just doing, and we can talk about the technicalities of interviewing and it's super interesting. Yeah. But that's the thing for me is like, getting better at interviews means I'm going to meet more interesting people. Exactly. And that's going to make my life better. I com- I could not agree. You you put it perfectly. <laughs> I There, there yeah. are times where like, you sort of get wrapped up in the uh, in the day to day, and you sort of lose sight of things. And then, and then I think about all of the people that I've interviewed, and I, I like I uh, I wrote a story in uh, in uh, Fukushima, and I, I spent the night. You at were this... in Fukushima. Yeah, well, I shit. never told you that. I don't know. Oh, I yeah, like for this. Uh, like this journalism abroad program, like me and a, a group of journalists, we went to Fukushima and we reported there because were you wearing a hazmat suit? I did, yeah. Holy, but yeah. Um, but there was um, awesome. Uh, there was that's not awesome. Yeah, no. I got to. I, we we went on a tour through the Daiichi power plant. Holy shit, dude! Yeah. And oh um, my god! But uh, there was one night, and this was the story that I wrote about. And um, there was like an Airbnb in the Fukushima prefecture, and uh, a lot of the people because they the government wasn't going to fund the people displaced that they they might have to move back to this prefecture and so it was one of those instances where i'm i'm talking to these guys through google translate and this journalism in this or this journalist in this small town who was like loosely <laughs> translating and it was one of those things where interviewing made my life bigger you know i'm talking to these people and suddenly my life is on a bigger scale or i wrote a story uh for the current paper that i'm at where i got to spend time with um a couple of inmates uh who were part of a writing program Mm -hmm. um and i i got to know them uh really like pretty well and i Mm -hmm. like uh pin palled with a couple and and it's one of those things where it's like i would never have met this person if it was not for the interview if it was not for this and so in a very selfish way interviewing um, (laughs) lets it makes your life more interesting it it allows you to have those human connections and it does no for sure and that's the thing is like if you bad interviewers people that are approaching it robotically almost like a machine, mm-hmm. what's going to happen is you're not going to have that connection. Mm-hmm. That's, what it, that's what I mean, like be human, yeah. right? Like just be human because what's going to happen is if you're human and I mean just like being yourself in a min- in many ways, then that person is going to want to feel more comfortable. It's going to make the interview better, all those things. But it's like you're going to actually like understand that person. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like oh, you're yeah. going to actually connect with them on a human level and that's going to make you better. Yeah. You know, and that's what I, well, actually I was going to, I was thinking about this on the drive up here to see you, but like, yeah. like, you know, what, what pulled you towards journalism? Was it because of the interview thing? Like oh, you were interested no. in interviewing? No, no it was, uh, well, that's a great question. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and also that statement, whenever someone says like, oh, that was a great question. That's always like, uh, music to my ears because I'm sick and I, I love uh, attention. Um, <laughs> no, I do too. Don't yeah, worry. It's yeah. okay. Um, but um, <laughs> no, I was, uh, I didn't, I was not interested in journalism. Uh, and then in my uh, 
senior year of high school, my my friend uh, Connor, he was like, he was like, hey, join the journalism club. Like, I'll I'll vouch for you, and you'll be in. Uh, it was just an excuse for us to like, you know jerk around and like be goof-offs and uh yeah of course um, and i wish that i could say that i found excuse me um that i found my love for journalism in that class i didn't (laughs) and then it was like registration day at at the university and i was like yeah yeah oh my god i chose journalism i was like why not and then um this is so funny to me oh yeah it was it like (laughs) It was the least natural thing. Like I've talked to, I've talked to other journalists, and they were like, "I, I knew from when I was a little kid that I was." And I was like, <laughs> "I'm making a jerking off motion." Oh, cool! Well, real cool, dude. No, it it wasn't a natural thing to me, and yeah. I like, I. I got like solid C's in all of my journalism classes until oh, like man. a certain point where I was just like, it clicked with me. I was like, "This is." Like, you know, I I can't yeah. imagine myself. It, it was it was not a natural thing. It was very, uh, hmm. I I learned to love it. Yeah, um, yeah. Did it, how long have you been interested in podcasting? How did you get into well, this? So that's funny because I was I was thinking about this when you were talking about how I just kind of stumble into this stuff. But like when I started the podcast, I mean, I started it. Seven years ago or something, wow. officially. Like, mm-hmm. I remember I remember exactly where I was at. Yeah. I had this girlfriend. No, we lucky. were... What? <laughs> I just oh, said lucky. No, no, <laughs> at the <laughs> time, at the time. Yeah, yeah, Whoa. at the time I had, I had a girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> but it wasn't a good relationship. Like, she's a great person, but, you know, one of those things where it's like all these things weren't working and I was so trying to make it work, like so hard. And what happened is she's like, I'm ready to move to Oregon and I'm going to find a new life in like Eugene, Oregon or whatever. And we're going to just start over or she wanted to start over or whatever. But she's like, if you want to come with me, that would be great. But if not, whatever, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm like, okay. So I made the decision, even though I knew that was probably a bad decision, but I figured that out later. Because when I got there, we were staying at her friend's place for like, I was there over a month. I got in a, Eugene. In, in, it was actually um, Albany. Oh. So a little ways away. But yeah. <clears throat> Albany's kind of a, you know, whatever. Yeah. The, but the point is, I was there and I was miserable and I didn't know why I was miserable. And I had this frustration. Like I had been interested in podcasts for a little while. They were kind of becoming this bigger thing. Right. I thought it was interesting. And people told me like, oh, Patrick, you're articulate or whatever. You have all these ideas. You should do something with yeah. it super frustrated person, super unsure of where I was going in life kind of thing. I remember sitting at this coffee table, yeah. not a coffee table, kitchen table in this person's house that I was staying in, living in. And I had this little audio recorder and I just recorded this introduction thing. I didn't know what I was doing. Like I'm going to talk about what I think is interesting about podcasts in general. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's all. That's how it started. The first 50 something episodes was made over 50, 60 episodes was made over the course of like four years because it was just, I was just fucking around. I right. just was literally just sitting down with friends 
yeah. recording conversations mm-hmm. on a shitty little microphone that I actually stole, by the way, <laughs> just so you know. That's how shitty, like, that's where I was at, you know, I was yeah. just stealing shit and just being a shithead and getting misdemeanors and just being That's fucking, awesome. Oh, totally awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, you know, I was getting pulled over for dumb shit, you know, yeah. whatever. Anyway, the point is, is I was... It was, I don't know what it was, it was two, two, three years ago was when it really kicked off because I didn't actually expect to be doing interviews. I didn't know, I think part of me was like, I would really love to be that podcaster where I'm interviewing really cool people, blah, blah, blah. But I had so little confidence. I didn't think that would, I didn't believe in myself. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Classic thing, right? Like I just don't believe in myself. And finally, I don't know, I started interviewing some people around here, like, you know, Leah Babian, for instance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was actually my first proper interview that I had. I interviewed her for episode 50, 60 something, yeah. I don't know what it was, and I interviewed her. I've had three interviews with her in total. I interviewed her more recently, actually, about her book. Cool. Great. Oh, yeah. Wonderful interview. She's so great. But she was the reason, like, I kind of realized I could do interviews, because I was sitting in her consignment boutique. Yeah. on her couch interviewing her for like over an hour and it worked and for yeah. some reason i was like oh like this isn't bad i don't yeah. know and i finally did my first skype interview where i like contacted a person i really respected at the time and i set up an interview mm-hmm. and i did again i just didn't know what i was doing yeah but i did it and it worked and people said it was a good interview mm-hmm. and i'm like okay i guess i can do it and I had to just sort of almost compartmentalize my deeply, my deep insecurities. Really? You, know, you know, it's weird because it's like you don't do things because you're so insecure about putting your voice out there. You're so insecure about, oh, I'm not qualified to do this thing. Mm-hmm. All of those feelings, right? <clears throat> and I just finally realized that like, okay, I'm not going to get good at anything unless I actually just suppress it somewhat just enough it's not like it went away suppress it just enough to be able to do the thing yeah like okay yeah i'm not a good interviewer yet i'm probably gonna suck for a while but i'm just gonna keep on doing it yeah and finally like just this year maybe not just this yeah mostly just this year i've really felt truly embodied in what i'm doing yeah for the first time like fully like okay i'm actually okay at this i'm happy to do it and I'm going to keep on growing. Like, yeah. this is the first year where, it, like, I felt like I'm in my own body. I don't have this imposter syndrome kind of thing right. going on. So that's how I stumbled into it. Because for me, podcasting, I, I, I didn't have any focus or idea at first. I had no idea that I'd be doing this. Yeah. And it's like a seed that's planted, and it takes a long time to, to get going. But once it just – once it clicks, it's just like, you, like we were talking about at the beginning, I think, earlier. We are talking about how – the spirit of your work, the body of your work is its own living thing. Yeah. And it's like a fire that you get going. And once it's going, it's like this big flame and like yeah. you can draw from it now. Yeah. And that's where it's at now. I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I, I had a, a question pop up in my head. Um, so I, I think anyone can have the ability to interview. Like, I, I think that is a universal skill, but mm, yeah. What is uh, an aspect of you, uh, of Patrick, that lends itself very easily to interviewing? Like, what is it? What do you think is something a skill that you have with interviewing? 
I think it's that human thing you were talking about. Yeah. Because I don't have this formal training. Mm-hmm. And I never went to... I, I dropped out of high school. Really? Yeah. I dropped out when I was 17, when I was in junior year. I junior out. year? Yeah. I was a fucking idiot in junior <laughs> year. I mean, I'm still an idiot. No, I dropped but out. I was, again, like, back to this whole thing. I was really depressed and all this stuff as a teenager. I was just a super unhappy kid. So I left early and got my GED and went to college for a few, semester, a few semesters, and I really hated it, and I stopped doing that. So it was like this meandering feeling of, like, lost. I'm being, I'm lost. I don't know what to do with myself. Mm-hmm. Maybe for me, because people were just, like, two things. People are like, you're very sensitive. Right. You feel things. You know things. You can in- intuit people's feelings. You know how to do that you care very deeply about all these subjects like you know being well read regardless of education quote education you just are interested in things right Mm -hmm. so being interested in many different things was something people are like okay you're good at that like you know a lot about things but they would compliment me on being articulate and i think that is something that isn't always natural people aren't really naturally always articulate People can't always string words together, you know, very well. I barely can. <laughs> no, I think you are, though. Like, <laughs> I think you. just listening to this, it. just listening to you talk, I think actually you're good at talking. I appreciate it. Thank you. And I think it's also because you've had to practice it, too. Sure. It's not something you do. Like, listening to my, I can't listen to myself from a year ago oh, or two years God ago no. or what. It yeah. just gets worse and worse. And I'm just yeah. like, why did people listen to me back then? <laughs> sure. I don't get it. Like, I'm dog shit. I'm just, um, uh, and I still do all those things. I still mm-hmm. do the the like, um, you know, um, bleh, like all You're that. Right. But you get better. Yeah. You get better and you just have to trust that you will. Yeah. It's like I'm trying to learn Portuguese a little bit to go down to Brazil so I don't come in there as like this complete fucking gringo, you know, which I am, but whatever. I'm going to be a huge gringo. Yeah. Um. But like anything, like you just trust. I had to learn to trust that the learning process will work. That's very well put. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it'll it'll work eventually. Yeah. It'll kind of suck a little bit. Yeah. But you'll get better. Yeah. And you know it will, and it'll happen, and you're better. And then there you go. Do you, Do you think the moment that you look back at, at yourself a year from now or the the works that you have produced and and you can be proud of those but the moment that you listen to it or read it or yeah. you know etc and you'd be like and, and you sort of wince a little bit and you're like oh god like i would do it differently is do you think that's the moment where you're like where the growth has really set in yeah i guess so yeah it's it's funny because i i actually i feel a bit relieved when i listen to older stuff and i can still listen to it yeah but I do have those things where I realize that I could have done it better. And that's yeah. a good feeling, too, because it means that you've actually grown and you're like, that's oh, great. I actually have a different perspective now and I could do better. Yeah. What is a... Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm being interviewed by you. This is great. I love it, actually. This is nice. I like being on the other end of it. <laughs> um, um, what, what is a piece of advice for interviewing that you would give um, to the listeners who who maybe want to do what you do or what I do or just be better at conversing? Well, I guess you have to start with where you are at. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess if you've never done it before, 
So if you want to start a podcast and you want to start interviewing people, it's very simple. Just you write down questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so simple. Like if you want to interview an author, read their shit. Mm-hmm. If you want to interview somebody who is a, I don't know, whatever it is, whatever thing they do, just spend a few hours, not all at once necessarily, but just spend several hours just trying to get in their headspace. Yeah. I actually listened to an interview with Terry Gross. Is that her name? She's an yeah. interviewer for N- NPR. Yeah. I don't even like listen to NPR, but she's like a classic. Was it Fresh Air or All Things Considered or whatever it is that she does? Yeah. She um, had an interview where people, she was explaining how she does interviews. And I actually have a friend who had his own show. And he would say, like, I originally thought that, like, I don't want any influences from outside sources. I don't want to listen to any other interviews that they've done or anything else, like, that will influence how I do my interview. And I'm like, I kind of get that. But what Terry uh, Gross said is, like, no, listen to every interview you can. Hmm. Read everything they've written. Just know them. Yeah. And that's the first thing. Just know them. Because what's going to happen in the interview is as you're starting to do it, you may have all your questions written down. But if you want it to have anything real to it, it's going to come from your genuine curiosity. Yeah. So if the person you know them well enough, just through their work, you're going to you're gonna naturally come up with questions. And then as you're, yeah, as you're interviewing, like you do, Bowen, I'm sure when you're talking to people, you're writing notes down. Mm-hmm. Write notes down as you're interviewing yeah. people. Like just keep track of what's going on in your head. Don't lose your precious fleeting thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they come and go and you're going to forget shit. And that's not great. Mm-hmm. So if someone's starting a podcast and you want to do interviews, I mean, you, one, it's just going to take a lot of practice. But just seriously, just you you read their stuff, take out quotes from their work or or um, little segments of their, their process or whatever it is. Write it down. Um, write down. Just write down topics and questions you want to bring up. Right. It's really kind of simple. Yeah. But you just have to just be invested and care. I, that's, I that's it agree. that's it you care yeah just give a shit you just care you just be a person it always goes be a back person. to be a person um i i think it's um i i i keep thinking about how our um our interviews or i i guess how our mediums sort of change and how that changes the interview and i I'm curious. There was uh, again going back to when I was talking to my uh, to my colleague earlier today. Um, he he mentioned uh, this great nugget of um, <laughs> don't lead their feelings. Mm. So um, there there's this golden rule in journalism of like asking like well, how did you feel or something like that right, right. instead of like. Oh, were, were you afraid in that moment? Because then they'll just say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they will oh, give man. you so much more when when it's uh, a little generic sometimes. And you're like, how did you feel? And then they will give you yeah. something much more eloquent than you could say. And are, are there any medium-specific questions that you'll ask? Because I, I think that's one that definitely works with print. Yeah, I guess, I don't know, I don't really think about it. Let <laughs> me think about it for a second. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, 
it's a matter of giving them the space to just sort of fill in the, the fill in the details, right? Yeah. That's what you said. Like the silence is important. Also, the questions should also have embody a quality of space. Yeah. Which is to say, like you give them space to expand. Yeah. Right. And I don't know if I always do that. Um, sure. I tried. I think I do. Maybe subconsciously, like maybe intuitively or subconsciously. Maybe I do. I don't know. I'd have to listen. I have to like look for it listen for it and when i ask questions because now i'm going to think about it more because <laughs> i haven't really thought about it but that's like if that's a real principle of good journalism then i mean like yeah i agree like because yeah. you want them to fill it in for you yeah. it's like can i tell you a funny little story i, I would i would love it oh my god okay this reminds me for some reason of interrogations not that this is an inter like <laughs> not that no you're not interrogating me but the type of questions you're saying which is to say let the person almost admit in, in in a very particular sense like say if you're being interrogated by a police officer the police officer wants you to admit to as much as possible yeah it helps them it gives them a good charge whatever you know mm-hmm. it's all this coercive bullshit but they do it now with interviewing you're not trying to like implicate people in crimes or anything you know but you're just trying to get a good story yeah but with with uh one particular instance speaking of people that i've had earlier i had you know a difficult interaction with or something but like i interviewed this guy once his name was um it was michael wood jr he was a former police officer baltimore police officer oh yeah he became a whistleblower he started speaking out i remember you telling me yeah yeah and uh anyway i had a great interview with him about policing and the way policing is the way it works and these all these incentives in policing to it's just institutionalized racism and all this, all this great stuff that he was explaining in the interview. And then f- down the road, we were talking, and he just was this, like, climate change kind of denial. That's how I got, you know, because, mm-hmm. like, he's human supremacist kind of thing. Really rubbed me the wrong way. We decided mm-hmm. to do a debate. And we did this debate thing where it was, like, a two-hour-long thing. It was a fucking nightmare. Because what happened is it wasn't really a debate. Yeah. He was trying to get me to admit things or to corner me and all this stuff. And someone had told me later that it was well, what what happened is it was he was using this technique called the read technique. The the read technique. Read technique. Oh, read. R e i d. Yeah, technique. It's a technique that law enforcement use. I don't know if they do anymore, but it's a technique. Basically, there's this multi-step process to get people to admit to crimes, hmm. and it's very coercive. It's very like loaded like a lot of loaded things right. like you get people comfortable there's this whole process of like getting them comfortable and then you get them to start to admit things and a lot of it and i and i've been i've been questioned i guess you could say by police before speaking of bullshit things i did when i was That's younger cool. but the thing is but they just they just sit there and they talk to you and they they, they ask you really loaded questions so when it comes to for instance relating that to interviewing yeah there's a dark art to it. Yeah. Because what you're doing is you're allowing people to express something, whether they believe it or not, they're yeah. going to say things. And of course, being an interviewer, you're not trying to fuck anyone over. It's not like you're a law enforcement or thing, but it kind of reminds me of how, like, for instance, the power of words in general. Yeah. If you're an orator and you're in a stage and you're talking to a group of people, and if you're really, really good at talking, I mean, you could be either Martin Luther King or you can be fucking Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> you can get people to realize that they're oppressed and that they need to fight for freedom and equality and love 
and all these beautiful, beautiful ideas. Yeah. Or you can get them to think that the Jews are the problem and we need to eradicate them. Sure. Yeah. It's like that's the that's the fine edge, the blade of human language and words and communication mm-hmm. and orating. And not that interviewing is like like that. I'm just hey. really trying to just express the broadness and the big the, the the huge quality of what it is yeah. for human beings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when it comes to interviewing, I don't even know what the fuck you were asking me. I'm just no, getting I, so I, off no, track. No, no, no. Please. I'm just ranting at this point. I don't even know what I'm saying. I've been drinking like this is like my th- second beer, I guess. Yeah. I haven't I didn't drink a lot of beer for a little while. Like it was kinda nice actually. Why? Just... I was up in Washington, and my friend Dar doesn't drink. He has an AA, actually, so he doesn't oh. drink at all. So I drank, like, three times that month at yeah. all. Like, I had yeah, yeah. one beer, one glass of wine, and one little thing of scotch, and that yeah. was it Yeah, the entire time. So I, I lost, I think, maybe some of my tolerance. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know <laughs> what the point was. Oh, yeah. I just think as interviewers, you you begin to recognize as you get better at it that you are like a like a you're guiding a conversation. You're con, you're a conductor, and you have power. Yeah, there's a power to it. Yeah, in way and for instance, I mean, for you, you're writing a story. There's this whole article, this whole like context and narrative almost that's presented in yeah. it. So interviewing for me is much more of a direct thing, where it's like. This is the interview. Here it is, what it is. We listen to it. You make up. They, they're speaking for themselves. Mm-hmm. And you're definitely presenting your interviews in the article, but you're also contextualizing the whole thing in your own words. Yes. So that's a power. There is a power to that, yes. It's a deep power to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, um, no, you, you, were, you were telling me about the, uh, the, the read method, um, and read technique. I'm so sorry. Technique. That's no, what I got you're, off track. You're totally fine. Yeah. I my apologies for Oh no 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 no. I just I'm getting distracted. Yeah. See, this is the problem. I get distracted sometimes. Yeah. Read technique is a law enforcement technique. Um it's just basically just a way to get people to admit to things. And there's this whole psychological thing that's going on. And yeah, yeah I, I so when I did that inter that debate, whatever, with um that guy, yeah. He was explain he was Really trying to corner me, and it became almost like a competition. It was yeah. really weird. I didn't like it. Right. I don't know if I'll do it again. Not with him anyway. Huh. Um, but someone who had actually been trained, I am using quotations, trained, but right. he was trained. But he has a completely different job. He's not law enforcement, but he's like, oh, I've seen this. I know what this is. This is the read technique. There's like nine steps to it. And he used steps six and seven on you. Yeah. And I looked it up, and yes. Yeah. He did, and I realized that, okay, like, we're all really susceptible to, because um, I think actually something that needs to be acknowledged is conversations, not just, it's not just the context of the actual words that are spoken and the two people that are speaking it, it's the nature of the conversation itself, it's also the space that you're doing it. Yeah. If you're sitting in a coffee shop, or you're sitting in someone's home. We're sitting on your floor, for instance. Sure. Like, you know what I much mean? Much like we are, yes. Yeah, and there's microphones in each of our faces. That's <laughs> going to alter and change the very nature of the discussion itself. Yeah. So if you're in an interrogation room, for instance, and they're using that read technique on you, you're very vulnerable. Right. So my thing, to get it back to interviewing, Yeah. Right. how do you do an interview, which isn't necessarily a natural thing in the sense like it's not an act... It, 
that's why I wanted to sort of frame it like started as an interview, ended as a conversation. Right. You want to you want to blend. You want to like fade it slowly to a natural thing. Right. It, it like it, interviews by their very nature are kind of unnatural. It's like you're, you have a set of questions and I have an agenda here and yeah, I'm trying yeah, to get yeah, something yeah. across. Yeah. And and it's not it's. <laughs> It sounds manipulative when you're like, I want to turn this into a conversation. But it's it, this mindset of, I want to transform this unnatural thing into a very human thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But um, anyways, I, I interrupted you. No, no, you're good. No, you're just, you're just expanding on it. Yeah. You're not interrupting yeah. me. But the point of that is just to say that um, your job as an interviewer should mm-hmm. be to do the exact opposite of what law enforcement does, which is to, to coerce people. Right. You want people we want people to be open and express and you obviously have at a point an agenda or story you're trying to get across whatever right. all those things are there but you as a human being you want to connect to that other person yeah on a human level regardless of the context of it being a story or not you want to be like oh i made a friend out of that or i learned something so deeply valuable for me right because i think being a journalist or podcaster or whatever should just come from a deep genuine curiosity that you have yeah. as a person that you want to learn more, regardless of whether you're going to publish it or not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I, so I think, um, like there, I, I think that just ties back into my, um, uh, what I was saying of, uh, find, find that human or find that human connection Find the thing that makes you interested. Uh, for example, I I interviewed this uh, this wonderful uh, older woman for this story about skyquakes, this natural phenomenon that we have in yeah. the area. Isn't that weird? Oh, it's so weird. And uh, and I wrote a big a big story. Is on it, it the Illuminati that's doing it? Uh, a lot of people think it's the Air Force base, <laughs> um, but. My idea, because I I couldn't prove it, was let's eliminate everything that it could not be, mm, um, mm-hmm. and it was a lot of fun. Like I I was, uh, I think that I have built a reputation at at the paper of I'm not afraid to say no to a story, and yeah. I think a lot of that is my flexibility of who I can talk to, and like yeah. I um, you almost feel like a chameleon at times. True, um, and right. I I think. Uh, you feel that way a lot too because your your podcast varies in topics and and sure. your uh, you know it's very chameleon esque. But anyways, I was uh, <laughs> I was talking to this uh, this uh, this older woman who was a complete gem, and she let me into her house, and she was. Um, I'm I'm blanking on the name of the group. It's like MUFON or something like that. MUFON? Uh, MUFON, like M-U-F-O-N. And it was like an organization <laughs> uh, dedicated to uh, UFOs and aliens. Oh, and, oh not MUFON. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. UFOs. Yeah. Okay, and, awesome. Um, it, personally, I, I have difficulty believing in some of the things she told right. me. Right. It's good to be skeptical. It's it's good to be skeptical with just about Especially everything. Especially if you're a journalist. Yeah. But <laughs> um but it's one of those things where you do not challenge them. They are letting right. you they are giving you their time. Uh, and it, it, obviously this changes with every story, but you know, this one in a much more intimate setting, 
they are opening up to you. They are giving you their time. They're, they are allowing you into their home. Sure. And that doesn't mean that you bend over backwards, but you, um, you owe them that curiosity. You owe them the right questions to, to have some semblance of curiosity because most of the time I, I, in my experience, people like to talk. And yeah, mostly. Yeah. yeah and yeah, most of the time, <laughs> uh, save for the rare few that yeah, are very yeah, frustrating, yeah, but yeah. people, <laughs> people like to talk and, and people, I, I think there is a beauty in interviewing because people feel noticed and, yeah, and when you do get to allow that person, um, the, the right to, um, answer questions and the right to sort of explain themselves you i find that i'm sort of justifying that space that i'm taking in their lives yeah absolutely um i'm curious and and this was a question that popped up in my head um i am awarded a lot of the time the ability to interact face to face yeah and i find that that helps mm-hmm. get a lot of barriers down because mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. you have body language and and this sort of ties sure, back into right, right. where you're interviewing that person yeah uh, whether it's an interrogation room or their living room <laughs> um yeah but you are allowed to drop barriers and you are allowed to look them in the eye and that mm-hmm. helps convey a lot um and it's never an intentional thing i'm never i never like look at the cue card and it's like oh look yeah right right look into their eyes when they're talking to you um but it's it's a very natural thing and i'm awarded that but you you interview a lot via skype or, or online yeah do you feel like that's sort of an uphill battle sometimes actually it's funny so I'm way, I'm actually pretty comfortable having a phone call or a Skype conversation, yeah. actually, because, I don't know, actually, it's funny, actually, I was thinking about this, because I, I actually did an in-person interview last week, and it wasn't bad, it was a good interview, but um, I realized that this person I was interviewing, I'd actually never met them before, right. in person, sitting in their living room, had a, the setup like we have right now. Right. And the quality of that interview is different. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't it wasn't bad. It was good. And I want to get more used to that. I want yeah. to do more in-person interviews. I want to do that more because there is that body language. And yeah. I can read people better. Right. But I got kind of used to not. Yeah. You know, and just having interviews where I'm just hearing their voice. And it's just audio. It's not even video interviews most of the time. Right. They're just audio interviews. Yeah. That's that's uh, something I, I really like, but um, I, I just work with what I have. But I, I prefer, yeah, I, I want to move more into that space of doing uh, in-person interviews. Yeah. Because it would be, because this is good. Like what we're doing right now, for instance, like there's a real human conversation happening. Right. It's more human than not. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you just, <laughs> you would like to transition into it. How do you, yeah. I, I've noticed, I've, I've spoken to a lot of people and they're terrified of phone calls um, and just <laughs> yeah. the lack of that uh, human connection. Um, like there's a real anxiety over it. Um, what would be your recommendation for people to, um, who need 
with <laughs> with anxiety with, with anxiety with yeah. just talking to people over the phone that's kind of a difficult one and th- yeah that's a huge question. no i know yeah i don't know um you know if so if, okay so if you're trying to do an interview it's i think it's important to one just communicate with the person before you do the interview yeah it's just like normal chit chatty shit like yeah how are you doing like okay you're doing good cool like well this is sort of what i want to talk about today right and just sometimes that makes them makes them feel better and it makes you feel better too yeah there's you don't have to be all professional business like right out the gate just connect with them on a human level and be like all right well okay so just so you know i'll be starting the interview all right here we go okay yeah. are you ready do you do you feel ready i'm ready okay cool right. Just make sure everyone's ready. Don't feel bad saying like, "Okay, I need a minute to like go to the bathroom," or, yeah. <laughs> or like whatever excuse you have. But like, yeah. don't feel bad to just wait yeah. a moment and feel okay. You know, like you can take a moment for yourself. Yeah. Don't believe that the person. Typically, they can understand. Typically, they're fine. They have time. Don't worry about it so much. I mean, that's easy to say. And again, it's a practice thing because I've definitely had interviews where I've been nervous and you just have to work with it. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of panic your way through it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a struggle bus. Um, I'm, do you feel like interviewing professionally, uh, do you think that that lends itself to just talking with people and just regular communication uh, like, do you feel like you were better at conversing with people in your day to day life because of this skill? I do. Yeah, I think I've gotten better at talking. Yeah, <laughs> and you get better at listening. Yeah, that's another part of it, right? It's like you have to learn to listen. Something that people do, and I do this too. I'm not, I'm not exempt from this at all. But right. we're very distracted. Smartphones, for instance, I did an I had an interview I'm coming out. I've been working on this interview that I'm coming out with on Monday, and it's about like the way social media is influencing us and like shaping our minds and how we. And so I've been thinking a lot about how my reliance on it, social media in general. But I think, yeah, like interviewing teaches you to listen. Like you pay attention, and sometimes I'll notice. When I'm really like listening to somebody, I'll tap out for a moment. Like yeah. I'll zone out, like uh, like go over here and think. But I'm like, no, 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 yeah. no, no. <laughs> like zoom right back in. <laughs> right. Okay, here we are. We're having a conversation. Cool. So it makes you a better conversationalist. Yeah. It makes you a better interview. It makes you a better person. Yeah. Yeah. Interviewing's great. I I think it's good for it you. <laughs> yeah, and I I think that there are a lot of golden rules of, of interviewing that people can just translate and carry over to their day-to-day life yeah that's a great point yeah i think actually because yeah. i i've noticed that my conversations in general are better because of it yeah and i think yeah. everyone could benefit from reading uh, or not reading but um not everyone's gonna do interviews obviously it's kind sure. of a thing but I think everyone should try to interview somebody once in their life. I yeah. don't know how or why you would ever. Some people are like, I don't know. I work. I'm a construction worker. Why the fuck would sure. I interview anybody? <laughs> 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 it's like, doesn't make sense. But I'm like, I would say it would be beneficial for almost everybody to be an interviewer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I've, yeah. I, like talking and, and conversing has, um, 
never been a challenge for me. And I think a lot of that is just because of um, interviewing. And it's like, this is just a skill. And I, I think, yeah, this is just a skill that I think everybody should have is just the ability to ask questions and listen. Yeah. And I think that is sort of the golden philosophy of being a person. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it's just like being a good interviewer is like, and back to it, being a good interviewer is just being human, which is also to say that you're a good listener, you're good at asking questions, you're curious, and you're genuinely interested in the other person. Yeah. And everybody should be that way towards each other in general. Sure. Because, you know, like that intuitive thing where you hear some interviewer and you're realizing like, "Mm, yeah, they're asking good questions or whatever. They're proper in how they're presenting everything, but... Mm -hmm. They really don't give a shit. Yeah. And that's what I... So I've been at my mom's house living... <laughs> been living with my mom for the past little bit, few weeks. And I'll be there until mid-November. Until I... I'll be going out to the East Coast for a bit. Anyway, the point is I'm at my mom's house. She watches television. She'll have these shows on. Like the news or whatever. And I'm just... I haven't been exposed to it in a long time. Mm-hmm. So like talk shows and like stuff. And... And I and I watch it, and I'm like, they're not good at interviewing people. No. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Like, they're supposed to be this, like, oh, that's the peak of interviewing. or No, they're not. Yeah. They're not good at it. It's dog shit. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I watch it, and I'm like, that's a terrible question. Like, oh, that wasn't... Like, well, you didn't even segue properly into the next question. Like, it just didn't... Like, it's all so weird and disjointed. And... What I would do is if I was, a, say, a big talk show host or whatever, I would want that celebrity to really expose – like, oh, that sounds fucked up. I don't mean it in a negative way, but, like, expose how they really feel. Because what they're going to do is they're going to come in with their own little canned answers, their own little spiel that they've maybe said over and over and over and over and over again for other interviews. You, as a good interviewer, will understand they've done 50 interviews this week. You need to get them to talk about shit they haven't talked about yet. Yeah. You need to throw them slightly off guard, not to make them uncomfortable, but just enough that they're like, oh, well, that's a weird twist to that. Okay, well, let's see. You know, And then, they, and then they're interested. Yeah. And that's how you're also a good interviewer is, is understanding your subject. If someone has never been interviewed before, then, of course, anything you ask them is going to be new to them. Like, oh, well, I've never been interviewed before. If you're interviewing a person who is an author, they just released a book, they're on a book tour, they've been interviewing all week. Yeah. And they've been doing all this shit. Then you got to sit down and be like, okay, well, what haven't they really, like, maybe you'll ask them things they have been asked, but how can I steer the conversation in a direction where it's going to go into new territory? Yeah. That's what makes you interesting. That's what makes the interview interesting. It makes people interested in the interview. Agreed. All those things are super important. Yeah. And that really just comes down to knowing your subject. Yeah. That's what I think the whole conversation is just know the person. Yeah. Tr- as much as you possibly can before you jump into that interview with them. I completely agree. Yeah. And I I think <laughs> I've covered everything that I possibly can about this subject, but yeah, I feel I feel like we've pretty much talked about everything that we can talk about. Yeah. And we've been talking for let's see here. Almost an hour and a half. An hour and a half. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's a good interview. That's yeah. a good. That's a good podcast interview. That's a great podcast <laughs> interview. And uh, let me say thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast. It is uh, my privilege. Thank you. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah. Well, oh, 
Jesus, sorry, lost beer. I I do so much of these like again proper interviews where it's not like just actually really enjoy podcasts where it's just people chatting. Yeah. I mean, I know you had questions and stuff, and I had questions, but like, I mean, it was really natural. I completely agree. And, yeah. and I don't. It's not that I don't do that, but it's like I don't do it enough. Yeah. Kind of thing. You know what I mean? I yeah. So no, this was this was wonderful. It was, <laughs> it was very relaxed, and it, it, it's kind of nice to explore this weird subject that is. Uh, it's very particular. Yeah, it's very invisible. But somehow it ties into a lot of different things. And yeah. That's, I, I don't know if anybody's interested in interviewing, but I mean, I, I I like talking about it. I don't actually get to talk about it with anybody. Yeah, and that's part of the isolation of doing this work where I'm at, where it's. Like for you, like that's why I want to talk to you about it because yeah, it's right. like, who else does interviews? Yeah, Jur- like local news journalists here or me, I guess, or yeah. other. I don't know who else does interviews. Right. Aside from like job interviews, which is just like a boss, like with questions, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Those are different. Those are different things entirely. Yeah, completely different piece. No, it's exactly. It's like. Um, I feel like I would feel very pretentious if I gathered with other journalists to just like be like, oh, let's let's pat ourselves on the back for yeah. interviews. So it's really nice to engage this weird subject with you and and talk yeah. about uh, the art. Of well, it. and I don't think I'm a journalist, and you no. are sure. And I'm I'm something. I don't know what I am. I, I just I say I'm an interviewer, long form interview journal or not journalist. Um podcaster yeah but um nonetheless i love journalists i love talking to journalists i love talking to you (laughs) well i appreciate it thank you patrick thanks for letting me into your little minimalist abode this is beautiful (laughs) i I appreciate it yeah well bo and you write for times news yes are you like working on anything like are you gonna be moving on i just want to ask you just are you moving on to something else or are you just sticking with this for a bit Sticking with this for a okay. bit. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's no, good. I mean, you're just honing your craft. Yeah. I just sense that you're gonna be doing something. Not that this is bad or anything. I'm not. I'm not trying to demean it. I'm just trying to say, like, I feel like your spirit's bigger than it, and it'll well, grow outside that. of it. You're gonna. Thank you. You're gonna be curious about other things, and I... before you know it, I'll be hearing about you in other places. I, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I. I hope so. I fucking yeah. hope so, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I. I think that that beginning at what we talked about the you know how we got to know each other from that article you wrote about me doing the live podcast is like mm-hmm. obviously you're curious in a lot of things yeah so i just want you to to be able to fully explore that curiosity well i appreciate that thank yeah. you thanks for doing this man absolutely anytime <laughs> <laughs>